0: Oh, shit, it's the coin toss. One surprise topic, off the rip, two sides of a coin. A reminder to listeners old and new, uh, the takes on this segment are off the cuff and not to be taken seriously. But, John, do you have the coin? No. Perfect. <laughs> Terrick, heads or tails?
1: It's a good start. <laughs> tails. It's
0: heads. To listeners old and new, it's still heads. Uh, so... <laughs>
1: Ter Tarek's still losing the coin toss uh, t- fuck man Tarek
0: it it tried so uh Trey do you want the ball or uh
2: you know what
1: change of pace
2: uh I'm gonna defer to Tarek this week
0: all right all right t- Tarek Tarek wants to score all right so I got odds for the first game of the season you you might know who's participating in it the uh the Dallas Cowboys how about them? Uh, surprisingly, Trey. I know that, that that they're underdogs. All right, so uh, seven point five dogs to be exact. Which side do you take in T?
1: How about them Cowboys losing by ten points? <laughs> <Ooh>. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Listen, man. I I think at, as a Cowboys fan, I would maybe be a little bit more bullish if uh, Dak's shoulder wasn't feeling so ginger right now. I think we're we're gonna get humbled like we do often. We're going to go in against the defending Super Bowl champions and, you know, we're going to lose by double digit points, but it's going to be OK. The thing is, once that happens, all Cowboys fans are going to be panicking and I'm just going to be like, bro, we expected this.
0: All
2: right, Trey. Well,
0: looks like you uh you got the You're taking the Cowboys, huh?
2: Yeah. And I'll tell you why, Uh because seven and a half is a pretty big spread. And I think the Cowboys could probably score 30 points i know the bucks have a good defense but the cowboys are i think are gonna have a pretty good offense i think Dak's healthy and they're just bringing them along slowly through the preseason so uh, i don't expect the cowboys to win this game but i could see them losing by a field goal or losing by seven and uh you know blowing the game with the defense in the fourth quarter so yeah i don't think it's unreasonable to take the cowboys
0: john how many points do you think the cowboys are going to lose by
3: well, if I had to guess, uh, you know, that, what was that spread again?
0: 7.5?
3: Uh, yeah, I think, I think it's going to push. I'm going to say 7.5. They're going to lose by 7.5 points.
2: <laughs> smart. Hey, that's the sharp play right there. That's the
1: smart money. Yeah, John, right, right in line with Vegas odds. Sharp money says 7.5 points spread. <laughs> What the fuck is going on, everyone? Welcome into the Long Game Dynasty podcast, a weekly roundtable discussion about Dynasty fantasy football. I'm your host, Tark Angry T. Bintria. With me, as always, John Alexander, Trey Cryan, and Mitch Yates. We are back after a week off. Mitch, what is going on, bro?
0: What's up, guys? Good to be back. Uh, I'd just like to wish my two siblings a... Uh well, I'd like to wish my one sibling, Chloe, a happy birthday. We're recording this on uh, August 26, 2021. It's her 29th birthday. Happy birthday, Chloe. But also shout out to my brother, Jordan Curley, who will be starting for the SMU Mustang September 4th. He might even take a kick back or two. We'll see. Keep your eyes out. Wide receiver number one
1: for SMU. Pony up, baby. We're excited to watch Mitch's brother, Jordan, ball out in Dallas on September 4th take it to those Abilene Christians. John, <laughs> so uh we are in a startup right now with the guys over at the Breakout Dynasty as, as well as the guys at Pretend GM. So we're doing a startup and me and Mitch are co-managing a team and you and Trey are co-managing a team. So John, how do you think it's going? Oh, I'm digging it. I've done
3: several startups this year. And like my main complaint about all these startups is like people are in love with Sleeper ADP. These guys, they fucking hate Sleeper ADP. It's great. Like I have no idea what's going to happen next. It's been the easily the most wild draft I've been in this entire summer. So uh, either these guys are really smart or they've got no idea what they're doing. So either way, it's going to be a really fun season and uh, I'm glad we're doing it for sure.
2: Yeah, yeah, John, it definitely feels like a pretty uh sharp room and uh I'm having fun uh, co-managing with you man. I think uh you and I see things differently in a lot of ways, but you know, we're able to to come to agreement for the most part and uh I loved being able to get uh Mapletron on that uh trade up we just pulled off. So, that's my that first nice. uh share of uh Claypool and I was real late on him early on coming out of Notre Dame and I'm not making that mistake again. I think this guy's the truth.
1: Yeah, me and Mitch uh we tend to have very different views on uh dynasty players and kind of different valuations on players. So it's been, you know, a little bit of uh acid reflux inducing for me, but it's also been a good exercise because Mitch is one of my best friends. So
0: Man, what the fuck, dude? What is that like <laughs> (laughs) Man, I hate our draft, but Mitch is cool. Get out of here, bro. No matter
2: what happens, at least you made friends along the way.
0: Yeah, made friends more difficult. Bro, like our first three picks, I loved. What
2: were the first three picks, Mitch, for the listeners?
0: Uh, The first three picks were Kyler Murray, AJ Brown, and then three was Pitts believe
1: yeah, yeah Kyle Pitts I I love the first three picks and
0: so Tarek's just mad because when, when did we get Monty the fifth who'd we get in the fourth
1: yeah we took we took David Montgomery in the fifth over Brandon Iuke and to be fair you know I okayed the move it was fine but then you know we had to pick a couple picks later because we made a trade and Ayuk went, and then Godwin went, and then I tilted to the sun. But (laughs) you know what? That's what I do in drafts. I just tilt my face off. It's Monty season, bro. Calm down. You'll be all right. We'll see. I mean, David Montgomery, great dynasty value insulation right now. So flea market Montgomery, Monty. Those 4.3 yards per carry are gonna take you guys to the ship to the moon. To the moon. Hey, to all the way to the furthest moon of Saturn. So shout out to those guys over at the breakout, Abby and Leo. We really appreciate y'all inviting us to participate in that. And we're looking forward to taking your money. All right. We are back talking dynasty after two weeks. A lot has happened over the last few weeks, so we'll do our best to both catch you up and give some insight on some things to think about moving forward as we barrel into the regular season uh, as Dynasty managers. So today we are going to talk about players that are trending in the preseason and how we're reacting to those trends. Then in the second half, we're going to talk a bit about how this moment in the calendar, end of August, beginning of September, otherwise known as peak redraft season, is going to affect values and attitudes in the Dynasty landscape and how we can maybe leverage those redraft ripples in our dynasty league. But before we get into that, there's a couple of news items that we got to go over. And unfortunately it's mostly about injury. So um, the big thing that happened this week, Monday night, when the Jags were playing the saints in the preseason, Travis Etienne on his first carry hurt his foot classic. And now it is expected that he is going to be out for the season with a Liz frank sprain yeah guys brutal uh i'm gonna throw it to trey first because trey has been the highest on etn uh throughout the process so man how are you feeling first and then uh what does this do to etn what does this do to james robinson etc dude i'm i'm gutted by this you guys know i loved
2: etn i thought he was awesome awesome value as a rookie prospect i think he's got you know upside pass catcher alvin kamara type all over him and uh this this really sucks. But in terms of uh, rankings, I've dropped him down from running back 13 down to running back 22 in a startup. And that still feels a little bit high to me. I don't know if I'd really even pull the trigger um, if it came down to it there. So if I've got him on a roster right now, I'm I'm starting to shop around and see if I can uh, cut my losses now. If if somebody was willing to make me an offer for a future first and a bench piece or something, I think I would take it. Uh, now if I'm rebuilding, maybe there's an argument to go out and get ETN and kind of ride out this one year off, but I wouldn't really want to give up too much at this point. Uh, if I could get him for a second, then hell yeah, you know, smash, except on that. Uh, but maybe a guy like Ronald Jones, who I've got as my running back 28 would be enough to get it done, especially, uh, you know, after two or three weeks in the season. So it sucks for ETN. And in terms of, uh, J Rob, he's jumped all the way up into, uh, The low end, running back two range, running back 26 for me, and uh, I've got him right above Damian Harris.
0: That's interesting to me, just that he was, what, running back six last year, and now he basically has the same amount of opportunity, and we're putting him where, Trey?
1: In arguably a better offense, right?
2: Yeah, so I put him at running back 26, but it's mostly because I think this is probably a one-year rental, because when ETN comes back, it's going to be the competition again.
0: You think that list Frank, you know, like, he'll be fine next year, basically? You're saying he'll well, be Well, I, I don't know.
2: I, I I don't really know. I think ETN probably comes back healthy uh, and probably is 80%, 90% the player that he, he was before the injury. So uh,
0: My thing is, say Robinson dominates this year. Say he finishes, like, I don't know, top 10 running back. Like, what's the incentive to just say, hey, ETN is the start in our, starter now. Sorry, J-Rob. Like, I know you kicked ass for two years. I think he's going to be eased into the offense next year if J-Rob shines. J-Rob gets hurt or something or sucks, then, yeah, by all means. But at this point, if I'm, like, an ETN manager, I'm probably hanging on for a little bit, like, at least towards the, like, the trade deadline, right? Where somebody is going to admit that, like, hey, all right, I'm not going to make the playoffs. I'm going for next year. So maybe ETN is on my radar then. But like currently, no, like I, I feel like you kind of have to hold him. And then J-Rob, like there's a reason I was high on him and I don't want to take the injury victory lap. But when you have a player that's already proven that they can handle that workload and then when they're thrust in, into that workload, like that's why you draft a player like James, James Robinson, like because now he has that opportunity to be a running back one.
1: Right. And John, I mean, obviously it kind of depends whether you're a contender or a rebuilder if you're targeting Travis Etienne or James Robinson. But let's talk about James Robinson a little bit now because he's the player that can help teams win their league in 2021. So if you are a contender, what are you paying to get James Robinson on your roster? Or are you targeting him at all?
3: Uh, for me, it's basically whatever I was going to pay f- to get Daryl Henderson on my roster. Uh, it, they're essentially in a very similar situation, I think. Travis Etienne is still a first rounder. He's still going to get every opportunity, uh, if and when he gets healthy, and that's for what the next three seasons, four years minimum, with a fifth year option. So I think that for me, it's I might be willing to go as high as like a high second, uh, if I if he was like my third running back, maybe. Uh, I'm sorry, an early second and then maybe a high first. Uh, but, uh, you know, he's, he's a guy that we know can do it, but we don't know if he can do it in Urban Meyer's offense. So uh, if he's the thing that you think is going to get you over the hump in terms of depth, I'm not excited if he's my RB1 or even my RB2. But if he's my RB3, then yeah, I might be willing to give up a late first for that.
0: And my last input on this is it kind of reminds me of Rashad Penny. And like where you, you got this like first round guy who gets hurt. And then you're trying to buy in and then like what what happens if it ha- happens again next year or something happens next year? Like he's just he may fall into that sort of trap. And so buying buying on an injured player, who knows, man?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a risk. And and James Robinson comps really well to Chris Carson, both from kind of a, a team Investment as well as their play style. They're both guys that can catch the ball. They're both bigger guys that are, you know, can run through the tackles and catch the ball more kind of Jack of all trades master of none than kind of one or the other. Um, But yeah, I think think James Robinson, for me, he's kind of hanging out in the neighborhood of Travis Etienne in my ranks right now. So Travis Etienne, I have at running back 21. James Robinson jumped up to running back 23. If you are a contender, I can see trading Travis Etienne for James Robinson straight up. I mean, this is kind of the similar thing that we talked about with Daryl Henderson and Cam Akers. But the difference is Travis Etienne, I mean... We don't like that Liz Frank injury, but he's going to have a full year and it's not an Achilles, right?
0: Well, Look, it's good that it happened before the season even started. Like, it's not a mid-year injury where he might be screwed for a year and a half. Like, he has that whole year, like you said, to recover. So that, that that's the silver
1: lining here. All right, so another injury that happened in the preseason in that same game was Adam Troutman went down with a foot injury. Now, I think it looked really serious uh, when it happened um, but since then, I think it's it, it, the seriousness has, has tapered off a little bit. But in his stead, one of the big kind of stories of the offseason has been former receiver Juwan Johnson transitioning to tight end and shining during the preseason. So, Trey, let me ask you. How after the Adam Troutman injury, as well as Johnson's emergence, how are you evaluating Troutman in terms of dynasty value?
2: Yeah, so I've got uh, Troutman down just a few spots. I had him right around where I've got Higby and Everett, like right around tight end uh, 20. So I've moved moved him below those uh, vets there just because it seems like the probability he does break out is a little bit less now uh, because Juwan Johnson has kind of shown that he's very capable and you know, he's a former wide receiver out of Oregon, undrafted guy, and just an awesome athlete. So this is somebody who's jumped up into the top 40 for me in my tight end ranks. And uh I went and tried adding him on on waivers uh last night, but uh John and, and Bill had already got him in a couple leagues. So uh good job there, guys. But I was able to at least get him one or two places. Uh I, I love these types of tight ends, man. Super athletic, former receivers. That's that's where your money gets made.
1: Right. And the worry is that if Juwan Johnson ends up taking the Jared Cook role and then Adam Troutman just stays Mm -hmm. in his run blocking role. Exactly. um, Then a lot of people who are banking on that Adam Troutman breakout could be disappointed, but it could also represent a buying opportunity because Troutman was skyrocketing it up. I know the guys over at uh, Roto Underworld had Adam Troutman as a borderline top 12 tight end before this happened. So. You know, he was really expensive before his price was kind of inflated. So it could be an opportunity if you were already high on Troutman going in. John, the other big thing in the news that happened over the last couple of days is that Sean McVay went out and got a running back. Uh, They traded what will ultimately probably become a fourth round compensatory pick for Sony Michelle with the New England Patriots. Does this affect Daryl Henderson's value at all for you? Does do they have like a really good
3: uh, knee reconstruction guy out in LA? <laughs> like, does There's probably does a few part, out there. Part of the trade, like Sony, get two new knees. If yes, then yeah, definitely. But this is like I wasn't really in, uh, concerned that he has shown out well, but I feel like he has these spurts every single year, and his his trouble is staying healthy. So I, Right. but this, this is the same trouble with Henderson as well. So, you know, maybe they each play like really solid for six or seven games this year, but neither of them ends up being really great for your fantasy team. So if I have both of them on my squad, maybe I feel okay about that, but individually I'm not feeling really excited about either one at this point in time.
0: But are you, are you at least like ahead of Sony Michelle with Daryl Henderson? Or do you really think that it's like, 50-50 there.
3: You know, Sony has shown the higher ceiling, uh, but I think that Henderson has been in the system longer, so I think he's going to get the first rep on the first game, and it's going to be his job to lose.
0: Well, let me follow this up, though. You just said James Robinson is your Daryl Henderson. This, this seems like a real big fade on Henderson, dude.
3: I said I'd be willing to pay. Uh, I'd be willing to give up the
1: same amount, which is basically a second round pe- pick in the in the uh, right, which is not something you're going to be able to do. So what John is saying is he's probably not getting either. I mean,
2: maybe maybe it's a second rounder. I've got Henderson at twenty nine and I didn't really move much with the change. I don't want anything to do with Sonny Michelle. Right. Uh, so I think this is just depth like they look they saw what they had. In Xavier Jones, they saw what they had in Jake Funk. They were like, no, we need better depth than this going into the season. And they paid a fourth rounder for the guy. They didn't even like give up all that much to get him. So no, I wouldn't I would not be too worried about Sony.
1: Yeah, I mean, a fourth round pick is a little expensive for Sony Michelle, in my opinion. But
0: consider the Rams, though, man, like, honestly, the Rams for a fourth round pick. That's like a two dollar bill, dude. They don't give a fuck about (laughs) that.
1: Mitch, I I just want to say this before we move on to our first half. I think a lot of people were kind of saying, you know, I told you, you shouldn't have paid that for Darrell Henderson or that Darrell Henderson wasn't, you know, a workhorse or whatever. And and my perspective is, if you look at ADP, both in redraft and in dynasty, a move like this, like adding a bad back like Sony Michelle or getting Todd Gurley back or Le'Veon Bell or whatever, it was already baked into Darrell Henderson's price, right? So I, I think if you're, Fading Darrell Henderson a lot because of Sony Michelle, you're doing it wrong uh, because you didn't you didn't realize that that adding of a back to the backfield just to bolster depth was already baked into Henderson's price. He was already an RB two at best.
0: Yeah, no, I I agree with you. I don't think John's saying that either. I think he just hates Darrell Henderson. Oh no, I'm
1: just I, I'm speaking to kind of the wider landscape. Definitely, right now
0: definitely. Sure. No, that doesn't bother me. Sony doesn't bother me at all. Like, n- dudes, dudes, toast. From a dynasty perspective going for a guy like Sony Michelle is well I would not recommend that. I had Sony
1: Michelle deep on one of my benches. If anybody wants to throw me an offer for Sony Michelle, I'll offload him for whatever. Literally whatever you want. Got it. Right. I th- I think it's worth exploring because you know, if you have Sony Michelle deep on your bench, you just experienced a little bit of a value bump and and you can take advantage of Go that. Go get
2: your 4th round rookie pick, man.
1: fourth round. I think you could get a third, but we'll see. Not for me. All right, guys, let's kick off this first half where we are going to be talking about trending players from the preseason. All right. So we want to identify players that are trending because of their preseason performance, and that can be positive or negative. And we want to contextualize that trend and kind of decide whether we're buying or selling the market movement based on that trend. All right. So each of us are going to talk about two guys, two players that are trending from the preseason over the last couple of weeks. And I will start. My first guy is going to be Marvin Jones. And I'm actually kind of buying what's happening with Marvin Jones a little bit here. All right. Trevor Lawrence has thrown 32 times in the preseason and Marvin Jones has garnered nine of those targets. Now, LaVisca Chenault has earned 10 targets and that's great. I love LaVisca Chenault. But all of those targets have been kind of at or around the line of scrimmage and that's what we expect out of LaVisca. He's kind of a Debo Samuel type player. I think Marvin Jones is the receiver that this regime brought in, and I think he's going to be the first read for Trevor Lawrence on his progressions in the intermediate and deep routes. So right now, he's wide receiver 63 in DLF rankings, and he's wide receiver 65 in our consensus. So around the same spot, but the reason we're close to DLF ranks is because... In the last, you know, 48 hours, I actually boosted him about 20 spots in my rankings from around the wide receiver 76 to around the wide receiver 55. Right. So he's dealing with an AC joint sprain as well that he picked up in that game against the Saints. So I'm not worried about that sprain. I think he's going to be fine. So I think that sprain could represent an already very cheap player being able you can acquire him for even more cheap right so I just think that he's a guy that for a contender you could pay a very small price for and he can easily put up wide receiver two numbers right if he's playing ahead of DJ Chark on that depth chart and he's getting the intermediate and deep targets from a quarterback a young quarterback that we'd like I think he's 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 worth seeing what you could pay for him what do y'all think
3: I I definitely agree with that. I think that there are scenarios where Marvin Jones is the guy over Shark. And I think what's telling for me is that we're hearing a lot of good news about jones and we're hearing a lot we're seeing a lot of good plays on the field from jones uh but we're not really hearing too much about chark and that's what's kind of telling for me like i want to i want to hear something about chark and it just seems like he's disappeared and we haven't heard he's been hurt right, right exactly so that the fact that he's playing the fact that the uh that the New regime. Urban Meyer brought him in specifically. Uh, I I I like this buy. I I have been I've acquired Marvin Jones uh, several times over this off season, and I think that there are a lot of scenarios where he's a an important piece on this offense.
0: I like it, guys. I really do. I think Visca's my main guy in this situation, and I think that he's more valuable than Debo. I think that he is a little more versatile than that type. And I believe the hype is real in Visca. But if we're talking about Marvin Jones, yeah, I I really think that with young quarterbacks, they're gonna rely on like veterans like him and they have a lot to offer those rookies as well. Like I I think that he's gonna be one of those guys that gets several receptions and if you're playing PPR, that's what you love to see. But We've seen in the past that Marvin Jones is a touchdown monster as well. Right. Like that dude is good in the red zone and he's inexpensive. And if you're going for a ship, that might be the best like wide receiver four on your team. So yeah, I agree with you, man.
1: Don't go out of your way to go get Marvin Jones. But as far as him having a good showing in the preseason, I'm kind of buying that he's going to be the downfield guy for Trevor Lawrence over DJ Shark.
2: Yeah, I I see, I hear what you guys are saying. I think there's definitely a value bump that he's gone through and it sounds like he's sort of taken on that leadership position in the wide receiver room as the vet, which is cool to see. And he's somebody who I've liked for a long time, but I just don't think his ceiling is necessarily higher here than it's ever been in Detroit. So, right. really what are you getting here is you're getting like nice bench depth for a contending roster. So, let's let's like not have any illusions about what he represents as a dynasty piece.
0: Well, sure. I mean, when I say a, a great wide receiver four, though, that's that's what you intend. If this is your wide receiver two,
2: you're not a contender. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, yeah. You need to take your ball and go home. All right. So the other guy uh, that I wanted to talk about in terms of preseason trending players is Miles Gaskin. All right. So before the preseason, I had Miles Gaskin ranked as my running back thirty-five. After preseason game one, when he got relegated to the second team behind Malcolm Brown, I went ahead and I kept him at running back 35. And then after preseason game two, when he went and got two touchdowns, one in the running game, one in the receiving game, looked really solid with the first team reps. I kept him at running back 35. All right. So for me, this is a perfect case of understanding in the preseason when windows are opening and closing and leveraging that to get some value out of a player whose window opens and closes with the slightest of breezes, right? Because everybody was freaking out after preseason game one, and now everybody's victory in Miles Gaskin after preseason game two. And my perspective hasn't changed on him. I think that he's a very replaceable running back. He's good. But Salvon Ahmed is a facsimile of him. And Malcolm Brown is going to take goal line touches away from him at really annoying spots. So he's a guy that I've been wanting to sell. And I think after preseason game two is a perfect time for you to try and sell. Trey, what do you think?
2: Yeah, so it sounds to me like you're way too low on Gaskin. I think hey. he's not he's not great, right? He's not a pro bowler, but he made a lot of work. Like he made a lot of points last year with, uh, you know, essentially a rotation amount of opportunity. You know, so I look at other guys who are in big rotations, guys like Michael Carter. I would definitely go with Gaskin, somebody who's going to be the lead guy, somebody who's shown it before, versus a fourth round rookie. You know, so I, I I get what you're saying. Like you can sell him, but he really hasn't moved too much for me up or down during preseason. Because I always knew he was going to be in a in a committee.
1: You were always a little bit
0: higher than me. Right? Yeah. He could easily be a pro bowler, though. Like, if James Robinson well, could on. be a pro bowler, <laughs> look, he could be. And opportunity is the key to success there. So if he is given that opportunity, and we've seen that he's good at catching the ball, if he's Tua's check down man, I could easily see him receiving that workload. So as long as he stays healthy, I don't see the... Ahmed of the world taking his spot. I really don't because they believe in him, and they're going to keep giving it to him. I I still feel the Gaskin hype. I'm feeling it,
1: Mitch. I just want to flag really quick. Wonderful pronunciation of Ahmed. So thank you. I really appreciate. it.
0: I was it. good at pronouncing in French too. Just dog shit
1: at everything else. French, Arabic. <laughs> you're you're on your way in Arabic. All right. Thank you. Mitch uh, is a
2: multilingual man. But look, hey, if you like James Robinson, then why not like Gaskin? Because I I, I do. I They do very like much are late round guys, probably one or two years max before they get replaced by somebody with higher draft capital.
1: And what I'm saying is if you can get a 2023 first for either Miles Gaskin or James Robinson, I am taking the profit. Well, John, yeah, what do you no shiggity it, dude. Well, thank yeah. you for that. All right, John, uh, let's move on to your preseason uh, trends and how you are reacting to that.
3: Yeah, I picked a couple of quarterbacks. Um, and the first one I'm going to go with, the uh, the guy that I'm feeling a little higher on right now is Justin Fields. Uh, I think I was always the lowest in this group. The we've, we've talked about it many times, my mentality with these rookie quarterbacks, but I've seen enough to at least uh, boost him up, um, not quite in the Trevor Lawrence territory, but uh, closer to like quarterback fifteen for me. He he looks like the best quarterback on that squad. Um, now, Better
2: than Andy Dalton.
3: I don't think that he'll be starting week one because I think that uh you know the the coaching staff is bad and that's why they're all going to get fired at the end of the season. <laughs> but I think he still legitimately has a chance to be a quarterback to this season because he's that good. His ceiling is that high. Uh, and going forward, he's going to be at least a quarterback two going forward. And perhaps he moves in that quarterback one territory going forward as well. So I'm buying the hype. I've seen enough to know that he's at least the best on his team and he's probably a best a top 24 quarterback in the NFL right now. So I know yeah. that I probably, I, I'd say Q, QB 15, that's probably lower than y'all, but I just wanted you all to know that I'm coming around. Okay.
2: Yeah. Well Welcome <laughs> to it. the club. Welcome to yeah. the club, man. Yeah. Bill, welcome to the beast. He's, he's so good. It, it, <laughs> I'm I'm hoping Chicago doesn't ruin him because I think his upside is like Russell Wilson, but he can run faster, you know?
0: Yeah, we're all we're all team fields here. Randy Dalton might start one game this year just to serve that agreement that he made with Matt Nagy. Like, all right, dude, well, and you know, TB1. I told you
1: you'd be the starter at the start of the season, but you fucking suck. So like. And guess what? That one game is going to be against the Rams. So Aaron Donald's going to be all up in Randy Dalton shit. I, one thing that really has surprised me about this preseason in terms of Justin Fields uh, is that he's been averaging over eight yards a carry. I think he has something like 70 yards, over 70 yards rushing uh, in the preseason and one touchdown. And we've only seen Trey Lance rush the ball once, right? So I think before the season, you know, given that Trey Lance had that 1,100-yard rushing season uh, coming in from North Dakota State, I think we kind of expected that to be more in Trey Lance's ar- arsenal from the get-go, but it's actually been Justin Fields who's been uh, scrambling around more than Trey Lance. Well,
0: see, Trey Lance is playing the long game here. hey He is waiting for... Jimmy G to go run around like he did and blow out his ACL so that way he can just get the job again the old-fashioned way Tom Brady style
1: playing that long game yeah that's that's what he's doing
0: that's what he's doing he told me dude
1: uh so the other guy that I uh
3: want to talk about here is uh, he was recently named starting quarterback for the Denver Broncos that would be Teddy Bridgewater and I am I'm Teddy uh,
1: cigarettes yeah
3: Teddy packs I am not buying the hype here I am you think
0: he <laughs> smokes cigarettes. While wearing gloves too, like he throws the football, John.
1: Have you ever smelled your hands after smoking a Cowboy Killer? Does not smell great. So yeah, Teddy two packs ahead of the game. All right, sorry, John. Go ahead. We're gonna let you finish. I knew that when I picked this. uh,
3: (laughs) Well, I knew it was gonna go off the rails, and that's okay.
2: So you're saying you're saying sell Teddy Bridgewater now? Now that he's been named starter,
3: sell him two packs of cigarettes because he'll buy them.
2: Try to get more than a pack of cigarettes in return. Maybe two packs if you can. That's like $40 these days, guys.
3: (laughs) They look he's the starter he's the starter in Superflex. that's valuable right but he yeah. is not going to be the starter in 2022 so there is no way that his value increases between now and the end of the season we have reached peak value even if he looks great the end is coming and everybody knows it so if i have him on my roster i'm trying to unload him as quickly as possible because the worst case scenario is he comes in looks freaking terrible and then they bring back in drew Locke. so there's only one direction i think his value goes from here and that's down so i'm all about selling teddy bridgewater high right now at while he's still the starter
0: yeah i'm into it man i love that because i've said this before i think the broncos quarterback of next year is not on their current roster so having bridgewater right now is a good thing lock well lock's always been kind of a bad thing right
1: well trey trey i think the chalk opinion and you know you can disagree with this i think you will disagree with it the chalk opinion has been that teddy bridgewater is good for Jerry Judy and Drew Locke is good for Cortland Sutton right do you agree with that like are you fading Cortland Sutton based on this and and hyping up Jerry Judy or like is that all just noise
2: yeah I think it is just noise I I don't really know who it's good for and who it's not but I do think that Teddy Bridgewater actually being able to you know have a 70 percent completion percentage versus Drew Locke's like 55 percent completion percentage I think that does make a difference and so I, I do think he ultimately is better for both of these receivers but um i'm more worried about sutton's uh you know missing time with injury than anything else at this right. point but uh i point taken john this is probably the highest value is ever going to be
1: yeah and I, I think that uh if i remember correctly on our afc west preview pod uh trey brought up the point that teddy bridgewater had a higher adjusted yards per attempt than drew lock right he so, did. Right.
0: and i was actually championing uh Drew Locke, as in the YOLO, close your eyes, deep ball, hope for the best uh, quarterback. And Trey brought up that Bridgewater was actually better at that.
1: Right. Mitch, let's throw it to you. Who are the preseason players that you are either buying or selling their trend?
0: All right, Tarek. So I'm going to start with my guy, Corey Davis. And listen, as a resident Titans fan, I got to throw it out there. You know, I've seen some tape on Corey Davis. I actually really wanted him to stay in Tennessee because he's a great blocker. This had nothing to do with his fantasy value because if he stayed in Tennessee, that definitely would have hurt it. When he went to New Jersey, I assumed that like his value was going to dip because clearly they were going to be drafting somebody. And they ended up drafting Elijah Moore. And like, I, I don't know. I, I just started to fade him. He wasn't that great as an asset in the passing offense in Tennessee. Now we're going to New Jersey where the passing offense is questionable with Zach Wilson and then all of a sudden preseason happens and you start to see an inexperienced quarterback rely on an experienced wide receiver and you start to see him scrambling around in the pocket and Corey Davis finding spots in the zone and he went to Corey Davis several times on third down on the sideline like you could see Zach Wilson relying on the guy and that's when I was, that's that's finally when I loosened up and I was like, you know what? I know preseason doesn't really count for much, but Elijah Moore is not there. And straight up, this is, this is his guy. This is his best friend right now. So he's definitely going to have value this year because the Jets are going to be, well, in my opinion, behind in a few games this year. And they're going to be passing the ball. And I think that Corey Davis is going to get more. I think I was wrong in the beginning to believe that he might be second tier on this roster i think he's the number one guy and i don't know i'm i'm starting to target him he's going in like round 12 right now yeah like yeah. It, everybody's sleeping on him i'm i, I ADP's The adp is
1: gonna bump up for sure after that preseason right so if you're
0: drafting if you're drafting now like what well, you're taking the number one wide receiver right elijah is not gonna do shit until the end of the year he's been hurt like this is a guy that you can take in the and in, in the 10th 11th round and feel confident about but if you're not in a startup like his price isn't really that much either i feel like you could trade a second round pick and maybe uh like an inferior wide receiver for cory davis and feel pretty good about that if you are contending um well, actually, you know what, even if you're kind of the middle of the road there, uh, I, I don't think that's like a really expensive investment.
2: Well, I, I don't know what I would trade for him right now. Maybe like a, a second is about right. Uh, because again, I think he fills a similar role in a contending roster as a guy like uh, Marvin Jones does. But I think Corey Davis has higher upside than Marvin Jones. I mean, and for in terms of younger
0: and he was still the number five overall. pick. Yeah. So in terms of
2: dynasty assets, he's significantly younger. Yeah. He's no doubt going to be the number one guy in this offense. Whereas I think Marvin Jones does need to worry about Chark and Visca a little bit more than Davis needs to worry about his competition. So I've got Davis way higher than Marvin Jones. I have like all offseason. I'm going to encourage Tarek to fix his ranks and move Davis up. Yeah, I probably uh, will. Yeah. I mean, they are absolutely just feeding him the ball in preseason. I think that's going to uh, continue into the regular season, too.
1: Right. John, I was just last thing on Corey Davis. I was listening to the Dynasty Nerds podcast earlier today, and they actually... We're okay with the idea of trading uh, if you're a contender a 2022 first for Corey Davis. So those Jesus guys have been high on Corey Christ. Davis for a long time. But what do you think about that, John?
3: Rich has been uh, Rich from Dynasty Nerds has been high on Corey Davis from the start, and so he's been kind of victory laughing. No, don't do that. That's terrible advice. Yeah, what know. the hell are you thinking? <laughs> no, don't do that.
1: Don't listen to Dynasty Nerds. All right, I agree. All right, <laughs> I didn't say that. Uh, <laughs> well, Tarek says that. God damn it. Mitch, who is your second uh, preseason trending player? All right,
0: Tarek. My second player is Jamar Chase. Come on, bro. I think we have to talk about him. Uh, And the problem is I didn't really want to talk about him. I even when we were discussing this episode, I was like, is it bad that I take Jamar Chase? Because Twitter is nonstop talking about him. And quite frankly, it was annoying me to the point where I didn't want to talk about this. But here we are. So let's do it. So he had three egregious drops in preseason. Who gives a shit? Like, what did we expect? This guy took the last year off. He's playing preseason football, man. We're talking about practice. Like, this guy is still a top 10 draft pick. This guy is a beast. Why are we fading on him after a preseason game? So I've seen a lot of people wearing their brown pants on Twitter about his drops. But we got to remember that Joe Burrow is his quarterback here. That was his college quarterback. Uh, There's literally already proof and footage of their connection. So they're going to get it together. And, yeah, definitely, I I think that T. Higgins and Boyd are going to look really good the first couple of weeks, even maybe the first six weeks. But if you're telling me that Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase aren't working together every single day and, like, reestablishing that connection— like that's gotta be crazy. He's going to be the number one guy there very soon. And if people are dipping on him, I would love to buy in on that.
2: Yeah. Just so you guys know, I'm I'm at the point where I think T Higg has a better year this year than Jamar chase does, but I, I still believe in Jamar chase as the better long-term dynasty uh, option. So yeah, I agree with Mitch. This is definitely a buy low opportunity. People are way overreacting to preseason. Like we knew they would. And, uh, Guys, we can't say this enough. Drops don't matter. Yeah,
1: drops do not matter, and I don't think Jamar Chase has moved in any of our rankings. He should not move in any of your estimation. All right, Trey. Who? Let's move on to you. Who are your preseason trending players that you want to turn our attention to?
2: All right, so I'm going to start out with Marquez Callaway. So, hat tip to uh, Jacob Sanderson. That's at ff underscore rtdb. He's an analyst at Roto Underworld. He's been talking about this guy all off season and as soon as there was rumblings about you know michael thomas missing time we already knew there was going to be a competition for the wide receiver two spot and i liked this guy's odds against traequan smith but as soon as mt you know that news came out that we were he was going to miss time this guy shot up the ranks for me so after the the what he's shown in the preseason he's jumped up to wide receiver 58 right so all the way up into like the low end wide receiver five range but He's got great size, great measurables, and he just fell in the draft two years ago due to his lack of production in Tennessee. And that offense was really, really bad. But I think it's fair to have him over guys like Jarvis Landry and maybe even a guy like Henry Ruggs, you know, big face planner, just because I think Callaway has legit breakout upside that I, you know, Landry obviously does not have. So, you know, just looking at him through the preseason, he's obviously been the best wide receiver on the field. For the saints but all that said if i can sell him in a package right now to get something like two second rounders in return i say do it you know cash out uh, get that draft capital and sell high now where you can but if all you can really get is the second then i just say you know hold on and, and ride the wave and see how high it goes so um you know if you want callaway and you don't have them maybe you could get them for a guy like denzel Mims, another face planner Or a guy like Landry who doesn't have that same uh, upside that Callaway does.
1: So I'm the type of person that is going to take the profit. Right. So I will I would actually sell Marquez Callaway for a single second if that's all I can get for him. Uh, I wouldn't hold because I don't think that his value is going to increase that much. And if it does, I'm okay because I still made a profit. Right. I still got a second round pick off of the uh, player that I picked up off of the waiver wire this offseason or drafted in the 25th round of a startup, right? So I'm the type of person that's going to just cash out and be okay if I lose out because I don't think he's ever going to be, you know, a top 15 wide receiver. But, John, what do you think about Callaway?
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've am i got that same mentality. I, I'm going to cash out if I can as well. Uh, I mean, Michael Thomas is coming back at some point, right? And Jameis Winston well, might be the... Jameis, I assume I'm assuming he's coming back and Jameis Winston may be the starter today, but I don't know how long that lasts. Taysom Hill could be the guy tomorrow. And then we're not talking about Marquez, Kyle away. We're talking about how bad the Saints suck. So yeah, I'm cashing out if I can as well. Um, I'm kind of, I think I might be somewhere in between you and Trey, like maybe a second and then like maybe like a young wide
1: receiver. That's like a second and Cornell. Powell. Yeah, let's do that.
3: (laughs) But yeah, I, I think now's the time to cash out for sure.
0: John, and I am so happy with this one. I did just cash out of my one share of Callaway here. I actually got Johnu Smith straight up and
1: applause, applause.
2: Beautiful, yeah, Mitch. Beautiful. I like that. There's there's no bigger homer for Titans and former Titans players than Mitch Yates.
0: This guy <laughs> right here. Actually, I hate a lot of former Titans, man.
2: Yeah, Corey Davis, Johnny Powell. John Powell. Powell. Well, I'm thinking Cornell Powell because that was the other guy uh, John just mentioned, and that's a good segue because the other the other guy that I'm I'm selling on right now is uh, is Pringle, uh, who's now moved up into the wide receiver competition for that wide receiver two spot in uh, Kansas City. Uh, I don't think there's going to be a fantasy worthy wide receiver two on the Chiefs offense, so. If you've got Pringle or you've got Hardman, I think this is a great sell now opportunity. I don't think the value is ever going to be higher. Uh I mean, this guy was in like the top 20 like trending up on Sleeper this week. Everybody's just thirsty for this to happen, and I'm telling you it's not going to happen. So uh, if you can sell either one of them for a second right now, then I say go for it.
1: Miko Hardman did exactly what we expect him to do with no Tyree kill. He had a good amount of targets and he he was extremely inefficient with them. So I, I just yeah I I agree sell Miko for a second if you can. All right, mic check. For it is halftime. <clears throat> A reminder to our audience, halftime is a segment in which I ask a question and our esteemed panelists respond with an argument-based answer, and I arbitrarily choose who had the best argument this week. The halftime question is, what is the worst dynasty trade you have ever witnessed in one of your dynasty leagues? The worst. What is the one that made you want to retch the most? John, let's start with you.
3: All right. So I'm going to pick myself and I'm going to say my worst dynasty trade because uh, I, I this one still haunts me to this day. I picked up D- Darren Waller off of uh, waivers, right? Over the, that summer, I think it was like the summer of 2018, 2019, before he was a thing. I picked him up off of waivers and he the instant he became a thing, I we just talked about cashing out, I cashed out and I traded him straight up for Kenyon Drake. Oof. And yeah, that was a, I, that one haunts me to this day because today Darren Waller is a top four, top three tight end in Dynasty and Kenan Drake is apparently still playing football. So I'm feeling pretty bad about that one. I'm ready to get shame for that one. And uh, sorry, sorry i feel bad
1: yeah and then you didn't even profit because later that year you traded me Kenyon drake for a second right before he exploded on arizona so <laughs> cashing yeah, out that was cashing out that was
3: rough that
2: was that's rough, the risk John. of cashing out guys
3: that that's the case in point to not cash out
1: thank you for reminding me Tarek. <laughs> all right do not trade Marquez Callaway for a second all right trey what is your worst dynasty trade you've ever seen
2: so I can't remember who it was that did this trade, but I'm pretty sure it was in a one quarterback league. And I think it was back in March or April of this year. And this guy was really, really, really high on DJ Moore. And he offered Brandon Ayuk and two first round picks for DJ Moore. And that, <sighs> it was bad at the time, but it's just gotten worse since, you know, because. Ike has done nothing but like just shoot up the ranks since then. And, uh, look, I like DJ more, like the guy's got a lot of positive touchdown regression coming, but, uh, I mean, right now, if you just look at projections for the year, they're like less than a point difference in point per game in terms of half PPR scoring. So definitely not two first round picks worth the gap there. So, uh, whoever that was, uh, I'm glad you got your guy hashtag, go get your guy but that one was pretty bad.
3: It was Mitch.
1: <coughs> <laughs> you know what, man? Look, I didn't say who it was. All right, who could really remember? <laughs> don't quite remember, but Mitch, why don't you round us out? What's the worst dynasty trade you've ever seen?
0: Well, I was going to go with the one trade just mentioned, but you know what? <laughs> Sorry, my man. my my answer was taken. Uh <laughs> that other guy got a really shit into the deal, DJ Moore to the moon. No, uh no, I definitely lost that trade. No, the the worst trade I've ever seen I actually tried to quit and then got kicked out instead of this league. And I, I won't name the commissioner, uh, but here, here's the trade. So one guy got Julio Jones. Great. The other guy got a 2024 first round pick. Uh, uh, By the way, uh, this guy is the worst team in the league. So that that first round pick is likely a top three pick. Uh, A 2024 second round pick. A 2023 second round pick. And then, oh, there's a 2023 first round pick? Oh, my God. And then uh, (laughs) Ronald Jones, Devontae Parker, and Robert Tunyon. And again, the other guy got Julio Jones. I was upset. I still am. But I have nothing invested in there anymore. Thank you, whoever that mysterious commissioner is for letting me go, letting me walk off into the sunset.
3: I'm sure it was a really graceful
1: exit, He was a good
0: guy. He was kind (laughs) of shitty about it. No, he was great about it, and so
1: was I. All right, so I'm actually going to choose John for this one. (laughs) Oh, shit! Uh, Yeah, John's going to get the point. Because of all three... That's definitely the worst trade. Darren Waller for Kenyon Drake, the amount of value that you lost. Um, but that was kind of that's kind of in hindsight. Um, I, so. I'm sorry.
0: That's that's just straight up not true value lost
1: yeah because julio jones could be a top five receiver we don't know two first
0: right? rounds two second rounds early robert tunyon ronald jones Devontae. P- i'm done i quit i
1: just feel really bad
3: about myself now this is not the one i <laughs> wanted to win congratulations john you win God. the title for worst trade ever
1: ah <laughs> uh, gross <laughs> mitch mitch is just mad because he's still extra salty about getting kicked out of that league after that trade yeah guys <laughs> that's a little awkward
2: right it wasn't just me, Very
1: right? bad. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, Trey then took his spot. Trey in that is now yeah. Mitch in that against, league, yes. against my firm advice to not
0: do that. But you know what?
1: Moving on. Ha- moving on. Halftime off the rails. First half off the rails. Let's see how far off the rails we can get in the second half. Let's kick off this second half. Redraft season, right? Because that's what we're in right now. Peak redraft season, end of August, early September, right? So over the next week or two, Redraft ADP data is going to become more and more real, more sharp, right? And this is going to allow dynasty managers to hone in on market values for 2021. And also around this time, dynasty managers who were not paying attention over the offseason and you got In every single league that you're in especially if it's a home league there are those managers who are just starting to tune back in because they are gearing up for their redraft leagues right so those managers especially will be highly influenced by the redraft news cycle and that presents opportunities i think for the kind of degenerate dynasty managers that we are and that our listeners are right that listen to this show so from there I kind of want each of us to come up with an insight how the the redraft hype season or the redraft news cycle could affect dynasty values. And what I want to bring up is the rhetoric of the quote unquote bad offense, right? And also kind of attendant to that, the rhetoric of strength of schedule, because those two things become ubiquitous right now. And What I think for Dynasty is that you should target good players in Dynasty from those perceived bad offenses that are going to be faded throughout uh, the redraft news cycle, right? So the obvious examples are DeAndre Swift and TJ Hawkinson. I have written down here anybody on the Jets, although the narrative around that team is shifting. So, you know, maybe we can set that aside. But on the other end is the Bengals, right? Because the narrative for them has shifted kind of to the negative side, right? So with the negative reports out of camp about Joe Burrow being uncomfortable on his knee, I think it's an opportunity like Mitch was talking about with Jamar Chase in the previous section to target those players. Another player that I think you could target is Nico Collins, right? He's going to be mired in that bad offense rhetoric players that you like on the Giants, Kenny Galladay, Saquon Barkley, maybe even Sterling Shepard. I, I am kind of a Sterling Shepard truther players on the Patriots, right? You know, we don't know what their quarterback situation is. They could be perceived as this bad offense, especially passing offense. So go get Johnu. go get John Smith, right? Trade him, trade Marquez Calloway away for John Smith. And all of this is going to kind of bleed into the first couple of weeks as people's priors about these bad offense get confirmed, right? So if the Bengals start having a rough couple of weeks, perfect opportunity to go get Jamar Chase again, like Mitch was saying. Now I'm not saying you have to go overpay or even that all these players are super worth targeting, just that their value might dip based on their redraft outlook, and you can capitalize no matter what kind of team you are. So if you're a contender or a rebuilder, value is value, right? So on the flip side. Players that are on perceived like great or wagon offenses that you don't think are very good, like Trey said, Meikle Hardman, right? We might they might see a slight uptick in value. And the point is of all of this is we're not very good at predicting the strength of offensive units. We're not very good at predicting the strength of offensive lines, for instance, right? That shit changes all the time, and we can't keep up with it. Shout out to Chris Harris on the Harris Football Podcast. He always talks about how bad we are at projecting. And you, as a dynasty manager should take advantage of your league mates that think that they are the fortune tellers. They think they know all the good offenses. They think they can parse out good from bad. Just go target those good players and be firm in your convictions about which players are good and which players are not.
2: Yeah. So for me thinking about this strategy, I I do think that people get way too caught up into, Oh, they're on a bad offense. I don't want any part of the lions or whatever. And maybe there is some truth to that in terms of total touchdown numbers at the end of the season, but good players come from bad offenses every single year. Saquon Barkley broke out as a rookie on a terrible Giants team. They had just taken him in the top five picks, right? Uh, I think DeAndre Swift is very likely to step into a similar situation this year in Detroit and have a Barkley light type season in a similar type of situation. Meanwhile, like we have uh, bad offenses that are just throwing the ball 100 times every week because they're playing from behind, and that's propping up receiver stats and targets and and reception. So, yeah, there's absolutely value to be had in these bad, quote-unquote, bad systems, and people just way overestimate the importance of that and their ability to even figure out which ones are going to be good and which ones aren't.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right there. And sometimes, though, these bad offenses... Should be faded. And I look at the Jets of past where like Mims is taken in the first round and then is just like, oh, well, we shouldn't fade him just because he's on the Jets, just because he's a rookie. They're probably going to be behind by a lot, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know what? It just doesn't turn out because the offense just can't do anything. I think there is some validity to a bad offense, especially like a historically bad offense like the Lions.
1: But at the same time, but why do we think they're going to be historically bad? First of all, like, I don't think that we can project that, right? Jared Goff isn't a zero like we don't love Jared Goff, but he's not a zero. Well, right. right?
0: And so as I, I was about to finish, I'm sorry, like so like a like a historically bad offense, say they have the same pieces, right? So like the Lions are now retooled completely. They have a different quarterback. They have the same running back, but they've retooled the coaching staff, the wide receivers, etc. But when you looked at, like, the Jets last year with, like, Adam Gaze or whatever, like, why would you have any belief in that situation? And so, like, I, there is sometimes validity to this. But I think most of the time, like you're saying, talent is definitely the better factor to rely on than the situation. But I, I, must, I do err to, to the side that, that situation does matter sometimes, man. Like, it, you can't okay. just ignore it completely.
1: Sure, sure, yeah. And my point is, the talk about bad offenses and bad units and and strength of schedule and stuff like that, it is... At its height right, right now, right? All these people are trying to project who the bad offenses are going to be and and what the strength of schedule is oh, the
0: strength of schedule shit is bullshit. I'll give you that. Right.
1: And you and you can take advantage of that as a dynasty player, right? Because it's and it's going to bleed over into dynasty values, right? We've already seen it with Jamar. Chase. And maybe
2: it's worth pointing out that like situation and coaching and good or bad offense can help you make a decision when you're deciding who to start or who to sit each week but it doesn't need to like uh, bleed into your evaluations of these guys as dynasty players.
3: Situations change. Kenyon Drake goes to Arizona. Uh, Robbie Anderson goes to Carolina. So yeah, it's, it's uh dynasty. You got to think longer, right? All right,
1: uh, John, let's throw it back to you.
3: Yeah. It's uh it was, it's, it's kind of bleeds into yours a little bit. a lot of the points you're just making are the same ones I'm going to make because um, what I like to do every season is, is uh, anyone who's played in the league with me the last three years knows that I get rookie fever really bad. And I want all the rookies, and I never get all of them. So what I'm constantly looking for every season is an opportunity early on in the first half of the season to, uh, to take advantage of what inevitably happens. And what inevitably happens is these rookies, they hit peak value right around our rookie drafts, hype is real, and then the results on the field happen. And, you know, sometimes uh, you've got a Justin Jefferson who, like, explodes. But a lot of times what happens is in that rookie season, uh, the production isn't there. So they're either behind a, uh, they're behind a vet or uh, they're getting used to a new system. Something happens, like we're seeing with Jamar Chase right now. I hate to keep harping on that example. But there are a lot of examples like that. Uh, so, like last year, DeAndre Swift. He was, before the NFL draft, pretty much consensus running back one. Basically, everyone's bored. But by the time we hit week eight in the NFL season, he dropped significantly. And then he busts out at the end of the season. And now he's like a top five dynasty running back. So I'm constantly looking for these opportunities to get these guys after peak value. Uh, because these guys are going to increase in value and I think there are many, many other situations that we can think of. I'm thinking of Jonathan Taylor. Last year, he started slow, and now he's like a t- consensus top three dynasty running. Justin time. Jefferson,
1: Justin. T. Higgins, yeah. Yeah. right? There's all kinds of examples. So
3: there's uh, there's these windows. Now, I'm not saying you're going to get a significant discount, but you're going from guys who are untouchable. Like you couldn't buy, you couldn't acquire uh, Jamar Chase on your roster a few weeks ago, but now maybe you can because in, you're still going to pay. You're going to pay a lot because the person who has him on the roster uh, paid a lot, but The point is that you have the opportunity to acquire them now, whereas a few weeks ago, maybe you didn't. So I'm constantly looking out for that during the season. Maybe a low point that I'm expecting to happen because they're a rookie. Does that open a window where if I want to overpay to get these guys that I can because I know what they're going to be in the future?
1: Yeah, I think I I think, John, what you brought up just now that kind of flickered a light on in my mind is like we don't talk about enough is how much those first four or five weeks of the regular season can be peak rookie buying times, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. m- more times than not, a rookie is going to start off slow and we always want our rookies to hit the ground running so that, you know, the value on our teams goes up, but more often than not, they're going to start off slow. So if you have a rookie that you are convicted on, I'm thinking of Rashad Bateman, Jalen Waddle, Devonte Smith, if you're convicted on those guys and they start slow, that, that valley time in the first couple weeks of the season is a perfect time to go out and make those offers that you couldn't get before the season.
2: But yeah, hey, another great another great example of that last year is J.K. Dobbins. Dobbins. He's yeah. a guy people were ready to just write off because he wasn't getting any playing time uh, behind Ingram. And then look what happened, you know, halfway through the year. They, they gave him all the opportunities. He blew up in the rest is history. So, And look at look at Ingram's value now.
1: Well, yeah, right. Yeah. No kidding. Hey, it's it's ticking back up now that he's on top oh, of the death please, chart. Please, right. Please, Co-starter with Philip Lindsay.
2: <laughs> Mitch, I'll take that as a segue, man. So uh, so my my idea here is that now is the time to trade away the old guys. I think Mark Ingram's a great example. You know, like uh, this is the best time of the year uh, to sell your aging vets in season because they're going to be in high demand for people who think they're gearing up for a championship run now obviously this is a little bit more geared towards contenders or excuse me to rebuilders than contenders but uh, we all know the best time to sell draft picks is during the r- rookie draft because that's when their value is the highest and for these aging vets their uh, value is going to be the highest either right before the season starts or right after the first couple weeks before they get uh, hurt or time due to injury so if you ever want to get value out of some of those aging players, it either needs to be on a championship run or in a trade at this time of year. So, um, I mean, basically now you can take advantage of this peak value, even if you are a contender, if you have a lot of depth at a certain position. So, uh, look, now's your time. If you're a rebuilder and you still have guys like Robert Woods or Keenan Allen on your roster then now when everybody's going through their uh, redraft, you know, drafts for their home leagues or whatever, now's the time to get those guys out of your roster and get some value. All
1: right, so Mitch, your insight in terms of like redraft season uh, is actually kind of a counterpoint to Trey's. So instead of talking about Trey's, I'm just gonna throw it to you and then we'll talk about you and Trey together and how it fits and how it conflicts.
0: Perfect. Well, well you, you said it. I my my strategy here is literally go get you some old guys and (laughs) you know what we're talking about dynasty Tarek in case you want to remind me we are talking about dynasty football here
1: this is indeed a dynasty podcast why do I
0: want old guys on my dynasty fantasy team
1: because you're an idiot Mitch you're bad at dynasty I want to
0: win the I want to win the ship and in order to do that well, I mean, somebody's got to do it, right? Yeah, it might as right. well be me. So if I'm somebody's build, got to, if I'm will. If I, I'm building a roster here, it it takes a healthy balance of your uh, future young guys and your old guys. And old guys are going to put the most points on the board. Your twenty eight, twenty nine year olds, your your Tyreek Hill's, your Devonte Adams, your uh, DeAndre Hopkins. These guys are going to put points on the board, and these guys are very important to a championship roster. And so. Now is the time, in my opinion, to go get these guys because people are starting to be like, man, I need to put some youth on my team, blah, blah, blah. And uh, the, the the difference between Trey and My's argument is I don't think the time to sell these guys is right now. I think that, like, these old guys are going to have more value uh, about week four, week five, because it's the the whole what have you done for me lately? It's been a very long time since any of these guys have put any fantasy points on the board. Right. But when Robert Woods all of a sudden goes off or when Aaron Jones all of a sudden goes off or Tyreek just busts off for three touchdowns, like people are going to remember that these players can win them a dynasty championship. And so say you are a contending roster, you're, you're almost there, right? And you have Terrace Marshall and Elijah Moore on your team. Well, guess what? Week four, week five, week six, you might be like, you know who's better at winning me money? Then Terrace Marshall and Elijah Moore—that's Tyreek Hill. So, like, that's that's peak season. Even if you're rebuilding, in my opinion, to sell these guys when they when they just start backing up their worth because their worth is all hypothetical right now. Injuries happen; people lose a few players, and these old guys are going to have more value than the guys that aren't putting up points, like Jamar Chase or Elijah Moore at the beginning of the year. The guys that are putting up points are backing it up with said points. So. It gives you more room to pivot so let's say like you you take a team and all of a sudden you lose those guys you lose your starters and you're like oh boy i'm going in the next year well you still have the old guys and i guarantee you there are other teams out there that need a few older guys to make their championship run and again that's still the time to strike is mid-season so if i got a guy like robert woods i'm keeping him i don't want him going anywhere until his value gets to that that moment that I go, all right. Well, he's actually worth a first, and this young receiver. All
1: right, so Trey, that that was kind of the counterpoint. So, you know, to summarize, you said it's time to trade away the old guys, right? And then Mitch said, "Go get you some old guys," right? But I think there's some nuance there yeah. in where both of your points kind of fit together. So, respond to Mitch. Yeah,
2: for sure. So, I think there's, I so I agree that if you're position to a contender or to be a contender uh you need to load up with a good balance of young and old to really have a contending roster because these guys do get like severely undervalued by dynasty players guys like you know deandre hopkins are falling into like the fifth and sixth rounds of startup drafts so and he could very easily be the number one wide receiver overall this year but he's dropping because he's 29 years old so Yeah, absolutely. The older vets are sort of arbitrage value in terms of putting together a a contending roster. But there's two things there. So one, this is where injury risk is really real. So if an older guy who's like 29 gets hurt, their value will never, ever, ever recover. But if a young guy like a 22-year-old gets hurt like Travis Etienne, his value very well could bounce back a year from now for sure. So you're exposing yourself to a lot of risk especially as a rebuilder, if you still have guys like this on your roster before the season starts or even after the first month or so.
0: No, I was saying, so you're saying, like, it's the safe play to sell him now because, like, if an old player like Robert Woods, say Robert Woods, uh, like, I don't know, Torres MCL or, like.
2: Yeah, it m- missed, missed most of the season. Yeah
0: I, I, yeah, I totally get that. But my point is that I think that he's going to put up a lot of points if he doesn't do that. And again, if you were to lose players on your contending roster, quote fingers, since nobody can see me do that, um, yeah, like you're able to pivot trade him away because like Trey, you're, you're the master at not, not, uh, fading injury, you know?
2: Well, yeah, I'm the master of not fading injury in terms of valuation, but I also don't want to be left holding the bag on a guy that I could have gotten out of, especially if I need to rebuild. And so that's the, my second point is you really need to have a good idea of where you stand as a contender or a rebuilder because if you are in the middle and maybe you're like team 7 out of 12 and you go and trade for a lot of aging vets and you miss your shot at the playoffs you are tanking your chances of really building a long-term valuable like winner in your league so you know you're you do need to be realistic about your chances how much value you have in the roster that you can go and trade for these older pieces.
0: Yeah, Trey, I think though, as Tarek pointed out, we are very close to the same point, and that is capitalizing on the right opportunity to trade these guys. Because neither of us are saying like, hey, you should hang on to Robert Woods all year long. We're saying, find the peak value if you are rebuilding and trade him. And so we're basically splitting hairs here. You're basically saying like, hey, sell him now before he has the chance to get hurt. And I'm saying, hold on to him just a little bit longer so you can squeeze a little bit more value out of the person that you're trying to trade him for.
2: Let me so. let me just clarify real point and I'll pass it over to John. If you have Robert Woods on your roster and he is your third or fourth best wide receiver, then you probably have a contending roster and you might as well hang on to him for the rest of the season. Go get your ship.
3: Yeah, I think that's it's like that's that's my biggest flaw. One of my bigger flaws in dynasty is I'm afraid to go double all well in like that, you know? Uh it's <laughs> I, hashtag I, Kyle. I, yeah, hashtag Kyle. Uh I I am more interested in de, in uh designing a sustainable dynasty roster. And I'd rather be a year or two too early than a year too late. I don't want to be the guy, like Trey said, left holding the bag. So I'm willing to sacrifice a little bit of value now to ensure that it's not zero later. Um, And that's the way I play the game. And maybe that's why I haven't won as many championships as other people, because I'm not willing to necessarily go all in on those vets like uh, Mitch is talking about. Uh, but I guess it's a question we all have to ask ourselves. Is like, how bad do you want to win the championship? Because if you don't get it, you might be left holding the bag for a few years. Uh, yeah. so, and,
2: and I'll throw one more point in there. Cause, um, I, I believe in this, if the value of draft picks is at its lowest now, you know, this is the time to go get draft picks if you're going to trade for them. And if you really think you've got enough value in your roster to be a contender, I think you can get a guy like Keenan Allen for a lot cheaper during rookie fever than you can right now at the beginning of the season. So I'm kind of trying to line up where I think the peak values are for the rebuilding pieces and the contending pieces.
0: And my last point would be, I think I keep, I trade for Keenan Allen right now and I trade him week four.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you want to make that kind of day trading bet, then Hey, that, that if you win those things, you can win big. Right. So I I can appreciate that. I mean, I will just say as like an example, let's put like an example to this, I traded DeAndre Hopkins away for Brandon Ayuk in two thirds, right? And it's an interesting situation because I'm like a contender in that league, but there is another person in that league who's like a super contender, right? So I'd rather get a lot younger, add a couple of, you know, trade greasers in those thirds, right? Then hold on to DeAndre Hopkins and risk holding the bag if he gets hurt later in the year, right? So it like I think what ties the the points between Mitch and Trey together is kind of what we always hammer in Dynasty. You need to be really honest with yourself about where you stand in your league, right? Because yes, I'm a contender in that league, but I'm not a a juggernaut in terms of like, one of the other teams in that league who I traded DeAndre Hopkins for two. I was basically like, here, I'm going to give you the juggernaut title. I'm going to get six years younger and add some draft capital in the process. Right. So the point is, with every single transaction that you make is being really transparent and honest with yourself about where you stand in relation to the rest of your league mates. Yeah.
2: And Tarek, I mean, with what you've done there, I think you've still kind of set yourself up to if you have a great start to the year. You've got enough value on the bench or enough draft capital uh, stowed away to where you can make a few moves and put a contending roster together for sure.
0: That's actually a good episode idea. We may have to broach that in the future about like, you know, say you start well, then what can you do with your roster? I think we might touch yeah. on that soon.
2: The mid-year pivot. Absolutely.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I think that will definitely be an episode or a segment that we do in the coming weeks because Mitch loves to preach all the time. You got to, you know, you got to stay water. You got to be willing to pivot your strategy, whether that's in the startup or in the middle of the season. If you're winning games, go take a bite out of that apple, right? Quit investing in the index funds and go get you some Bitcoin and win that championship, right?
2: (laughs) Crypto bros unite.
1: Crypto Bros Unite. All right. Uh, power to the working class. All right. <laughs> that is going to do it for episode 20. We didn't... This is kind of a milestone, guys. 20 episodes of the Long Game Dynasty podcast. But that's going to do it. We will see y'all next week for episode 21. Uh, goodbye.
0: Bye. Goodbye. Bye.